What is up, everybody? My name is Matt Cordova. I'm the senior pastor here at The River, and we are excited that you are listening to our podcast. Now, before the message starts, there's three things that we would love for you to do. One, we would love for you to share it. Two, we would love for you to subscribe. And three, we would love for you to go and rate it. So the message is about to begin. I hope it encourages you, and I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. If you don't, that's okay to be on the Sky Bible. Um, Let me tell you what's going on while you're turning there. Uh, Remember, the book of Matthew was written by Matthew. He had another name. Um, In some gospels, it refers to him as Levi, right? Uh, It's really interesting why his name would change. That could be a whole other message in itself. But Matthew is writing primarily to to Jewish believers, right? To Jewish Christians. And what he's doing is he writes with this purpose uh, uh, in mind. The purpose of the book of Matthew is to announce that Jesus is the king and his kingdom is now here, right? When you read the book of Matthew, that's the scope, that's the lens to look at it, is that Jesus is the king and his kingdom is now here. And then when we get to verse 28, Jesus is going to make this statement. This may sound familiar to a lot of people. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, what's that word? Rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble of heart. And you will find, what's that word? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Today, I want to have a real conversation. Uh, And in fact, I'll I'll be uh, open and transparent. This is something I struggle with. Uh, I struggle with rest. Today, I want to talk about rest. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, are you tired? Are you tired? Let's pray. So dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you that we can gather today, that we can worship, that we can declare your goodness. God, in in, in our 31 days of prayer, the, the topic is praying for those that have suffered loss. God, we just pray that you would wrap your arms around them that you would hold those that have lost a loved one uh, just close and tight. The Bible says you are near to the brokenhearted. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So last week, um, I I like to listen to podcasts throughout the week. You know, like I I think it's always good for me to listen to other pastors, those that think in the same uh, maybe area or realm that I think, and even those that see things that see the Bible a little bit different. I think it's good to listen to a wide variety of them. And one pastor, uh, I listened to his message and I came home and I was like, babe, I think I know what I'm supposed to preach on next week. And it's something I'm not good at. And she goes, humility? And I was like, hmm. So real quick, before we continue with the message, could everybody extend a hand? We're going to pray over my wife. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, rest. I I was like, no, babe, rest. We're talking about rest. Like rest, rest is an interesting concept, isn't it? Like, for example, rest is something that we all know that we need, right? But I would propose it's something that we all struggle to pursue. You know what I mean? We know we need to rest. And if you were to look at maybe what we pursue, rest may be at the bottom end of the totem pole, the bottom end of the list of things that we're chasing. And if we're going to be completely honest, rest is a tough word to define, Rest to me may not be like rest to you. I heard an interesting statement this, this week. Um, I was listening to this guy, and he said, listen, um, words don't mean things. People mean things by the words that they use, right? So what the, let me say it this way. When I define the word rest, 
When I say rest, when I use the word rest, it may not mean the same thing to you. Rest to me may be different than what rest means to you. And it's always, the word is determined by the context. They use this example. Uh, They have this phrase, let's get ready and go take them out. Now, imagine you're just sitting in an area and you hear somebody say, let's get ready and let's go take them out. One, if I hear that, I'm nervous. I'm like, please don't let me be the guy they're taking out. You know what I mean? But if it's a group of coaches... When they say, let's get ready and go take them out, they would probably be talking about, let's get the team ready and then go take them out to the field. If it was a group of mafia members, doesn't mean the same thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> words don't mean things. People mean things by the words that they use. I think rest is a tough word to define. For, for example, for many of us, when we hear the word rest, we think of sleep. Anybody? Anybody think of sleep? Uh, yes. I think of sleep. But let's, let's ask a real question. Is that, is, is that what rest is? Is rest really that simple? Is rest really just sleeping, or is it more complicated than that? Uh, There was a book I read one time, and it was an amazing book. It's it's a book called Peak Performance. And in this book, the writers had come to this conclusion about uh, Americans. As they said, Americans are the most overworked, under-rested, and over-medicated nation in the world. So I'll say again, Americans, that's all. Anybody American? That's all. Oh, yeah. Proud to be an American. <laughs> uh, Americans are the most overworked, underrested, and overmedicated nation in the world. Uh, this is the conclusion that they came to: is a, a, essentially in in places we have people putting in more hours, taking less vacation, and then using medication to keep up with the workload. In in the workplace, uh, Adderall is a true addiction in the United States, and in the in the fitness world, it's performance enhancing drugs. You know what I mean? To, to keep up. Why are they doing this? One is they want that promotion, but my question is, what good is that promotion if you can't sustain the energy to have it? If you burn out. Two is they don't want to be replaced, right? We don't want to be replaced by the next guy. So realizing this, we need to ask this question. What is the risk of not resting, right? We know rest is important. Studies show we're overworked, underrested. Is there a risk? Is there a risk? of not resting. Uh, Let me read you what one article said. When we are unrested, uh, we could be more irritable, moody, or we get brain fog. Anybody married to that person? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) No, but like we could be, when we're underrested, we're irritable, we're easily irritated, we're moody, or, or we get brain fog. That's on the light end. On the more serious end of things, we are more anxious and depressed. Than we've ever so so looking at risk. If I don't rest, it messes with my mental health, right? Messes them. Uh, another uh, thing that it said is for people that are unrested, they put on more weight. They put on more weight. This is what studies have shown. Studies have shown that people who sleep less than seven hours a day tend to gain more weight and have a higher risk of becoming obese. Uh, this also includes high blood pressure, high blood pressure uh, than those who get seven hours of sleep. So it messes not just with our mental health, but it messes with our, our physical health, right? Um, studies show that people that are unrested have an increased risk of diabetes. Studies show that people who have sleep less than five hours a night have an increased risk of... Can, can you see where the risk is in being unrested? Where the risk is in, in this book... This is the, the basis of the book. This is what, why they wrote it. It's one, not just to reveal this information, but they wanted to know how can we get the best out of who we are without having to depend on medication. 
right? Or how do we avoid burnout without having to depend on medication? And they came to this equation. It's going to pop up on the board. They came to this equation. This is the way that you get the best out of your life. It's stress plus rest equals growth. Stress plus rest. Now, okay, we have a negative association with the word stress, right? When we hear stress, we do everything that we can to avoid stress. But the truth is, is when you go to work, you endure stress, right? Uh, stress being simply defined would be um, the, just the normal day-to-day stuff that I have to do. Does that make sense? So uh, think about it. Like if, if we're, let's say we're working out and I lift all the time, but I never rest, right? All I'm doing is I'm putting stress on my muscles, but if I don't rest, then I'll never hit growth. Does that make sense? I, if, in fact, I would propose that, uh, and I think there's somebody in the room that would agree with me, that if I just lift, it leads to injury. Right? If I just lift, it leads to injury. So, so think about this in perspective of life. If the equation for growth, which I would propose this is not just fitness or, or work, but also faith. If the equation for growth is stress plus rest, equals growth, then what happens when you remove rest? All you have is stress. Anybody in that spot today? Anybody feel like I am, you're just tired. I'm exhausted. feel like everything I do is a fight. Not necessarily fighting with somebody, but it's like a fight to get through the day. It's even, I'll say this, you can tell you're on the brink of burnout when it's a fight to get through the thing that you love doing. You want to know when you're tired? If, it's, if you're exhausted doing what you love to do, that's how you can tell you're tired. If you're exhausted doing that. And many of us, what we've done is we've eliminated rest, right? So let's, let's go to the Bible. Let's go to the Bible. Where do we get the idea of rest from? I'm glad you asked. Everybody open to Genesis chapter 2. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2. While you're turning there, let me give you some background. This is uh, phenomenal information to learning how to read the book of Genesis. Genesis was written by Moses, Okay. Genesis is not a scientific explanation of the beginning of the Bible. We need to understand that. Okay, everybody hear hear me? Think about this. Moses is writing this to tell the nation of Israel who had just gotten out of 400 years of slavery how the world really began. They had been trapped in Egypt, which we know Egypt is a polytheistic nation. What does that mean? They had multiple gods. And in, in their nation, their gods had created the world. So think 400 years, that's like four generations of Israelites that all they've heard is about the gods of the sun god Ra, you know what I mean? The the god of war Anubis, all of these different Egyptian gods and how their gods had made the earth. They get out of Egypt and God has Moses tell them, no, this is how the world was really created. So when you read Genesis, when you look at the creation story, that's what's going on. God is not scientifically explaining it. He's telling the nation of Israel, this is what happened. This is how it works. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. God had blessed the seventh day. He declared it holy, for on it he rested from all of his work of creation. Okay, so we can see this. This is the second chapter in the book that the idea of rest came from who? The, not even the idea The practice of rest came from God. It said that God rested. It wasn't just something he told us to do, but it was something that he practiced. Here's the question. Why did he rest? 
Let me tell you why he didn't. He did not rest because he was tired. The Bible says that God neither sleeps nor slumbers, right? God did not rest because he was tired. God rested to model for us what we needed to do. Does that make sense? He didn't rest because he didn't have the energy to make it to the eighth day. He rested to show us. He declared it a holy day and then made it a practice for us. If you look into the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt honor the Sabbath, right? He rested to model for us what it was supposed to look like. Now, there's something interesting about the word rest, though. Because in the Hebrew, there's two different translations for the word rest. Uh, and, they're, and they're both fascinating. So I'm going to nerd out for a little bit, okay? The first word is a word that we're familiar with, right? It's the, the Hebrew word Shabbat. Everybody say Shabbat. Shabbat. Right? It's kind of got a cool sound. You know what I mean? Shabbat. I could say that all day. Anyways, um, it's where we get the word Sabbath. Right? We know the term Sabbath. It's where we get the word Sabbath. It means to cease working. It means to stop. It means to put it down. Genesis 2, when it says that he rested, the Hebrew word used there is Shabbat. He, he ceased. He stopped to understand it. Here's an easy way to understand Shabbat. Think of somebody who's going into work. You have a normal work day, right? You go in, you clock in, and then you do your work for the rest of the day, and then you clock out. When you clocked out, you Shabbat. Does that make sense? Everybody, everybody got Shabbat. You guys with me? Everybody high five your neighbor. Say, I'm with him. I'm with him. If they look confused, tell them it's in the notes. All right. Uh, now, that's one word for the word rest. The next one is, is, is a really interesting word. It's the word nuach. Everybody say nuach. It's actually where we get the name Noah. How many of you know the name Noah in the Old Testament means to rest? So it's interesting because when Noah is mentioned, it says Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. If you transliterate that, it's rest found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Rest found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, nuach, um, it, it, it has a different meaning. Its meaning is to dwell or to settle. Right? So uh, imagine this. Let me, let me help you understand what it means to new walk. To new walk would be like sitting in front of the fireplace with, with your spouse or with somebody that you care about. Right? You're dwelling or you're sit, settling right there in front. Or it's like going to grandma's house with a bag and you unpack your bag. Why? Because you're going to dwell or settle at grandma's house. Right? Basically, here's another way to think of it. We know that God was with the Israelites in the tabernacle and in the temple. Right? So when God's presence is in the tabernacle of the temple, God nuoked. Does that make sense? So Shabbat means to stop or to cease work. Nuoch means to dwell or to settle. Here's what's interesting. Both of them are in chapter 2. Both versions of rest are in Genesis chapter 2. God Shabbats in verse 2 and 3, but he nuoks with Adam and Eve in the garden in verse 15. Why is understanding both of those important? Because for us to truly rest, I think it requires both Shabbat and Nuach. Here's what I'm saying. We find true rest when we cease working and we settle down with God. You want to know what rest is? It means for you to stop and dwell with him. That's where we find rest. Now, here's the question that we have to ask, though. If we are a restless or an exhausted society, why don't we stop? Why don't we take a break? I have an answer. I don't think anybody's going to like it. You want me to tell you why we don't rest? Because we feel like we need to have control. If we're going to be completely honest. The thing that keeps us from resting is our desire to control the outcome. Our desire to control the situation. It's this idea like if I stop, things are going to fall. 
If I, th- if I stop, things are going to fail. If I don't do this, it's going to fall through the cracks. If we don't do this, then how are we going to make it? And when anxiety and, and all of that worry starts to settle in, then we respond to it instead of sitting back and trusting God, instead of resting and trusting God. So, okay, so we know this. Think about this. We know that the Sabbath happened once a week. But how many of you know that um, the, the Israelites had what was called a, a Sabbath year? Anybody? This is what they would do on the Sabbath year, right? We know agriculture was a big part of their life. They planted, they cropped, they did all of that stuff, right? In the seventh year, in the, in the Sabbath year, they actually couldn't work the land. They had to, the Bible says that they had to let the land, how many of y'all are like, that would give you all kinds of anxiety? Like for, think about it, for a whole year. Let me put it in, in our perspective. Let's say that if we're going to put it in not, maybe not um, agricultural terms, but uh, think of it this way. We imagine says that God says to work for six years. But on the seventh year, I want you to stop. I want you to let the business rest. How many of y'all are signing up for that? How many of y'all would panic? Like if we're going to be completely honest, how many of us would panic because we're like, how are we going to make it? Like, we, we got to sit, we got to be still for a whole year. We got to let the work, we got to let the, 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 the business rest. Like, how am I going to, how am I, can you see where anxiety and worry start to settle in? Right? We, we, we don't sign up for that stuff. That doesn't get us super excited. We're not like amped up about resting. Why? Because worry and anxiety start to settle in. And once those settle in, then we try to control the situation. I, I think the simplest reason the, for, for why we don't rest, why we're in this. Listen, I told you, I, this, I struggle with this. I, I absolutely struggle with it. I struggle with turning off. Like I struggle with turning my mind off. With, 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 I mean, you can ask Alexis. We can go on date night and so for some reason the church is going to make its way into the conversation. A- am I neglecting my duties? No, I love what I get to do. But God calls us all to rest. Right? The reason we don't rest is because we feel like we need to control the situation. If I don't do it, God might not show up. So is that faith or lack of faith? If I don't trust him, I heard a pastor say this. He said, you can have control or you can have faith, but you can't have both. You can have control or you can trust God, but you can't do both. So there's, there's two reasons for rest. If you're taking notes, write these down real quick. Two reasons for what rest. The first one is simple, to be restored or to be refreshed. Why do we rest? To be restored or to, or to be refreshed. The second one is so that we'll learn to trust God and see that he will provide. We rest to trust God. Right? So the first one, we rest to be restored. Second one, we rest to trust God. Now, here's what we need to see. Is neither, of, neither of those involve our control, just our faith. To be restored doesn't require you to control the situation, just to trust that God will restore you. For God to provide for you doesn't require your control. It trusts, it's just you sitting back saying, God, I trust you. Right? Saying, sitting back saying, God, I trust you. Uh, but let's, let's go back to what Jesus said, right? We started in Matthew. All of a sudden, we're in Genesis. Let's go back to Matthew. Turn back to Matthew. Let's go back there. Verse 28. Let's read it again. Some of y'all forgot. I can see it on your face. It's okay. All right. He says this. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my bur- burden is light. Now let's ask this question. First, who is he talking to? 
right? Jesus is, is talking to Jews that have been oppressed, not only by the Roman government, but also by the religious system, right? So the, the, and the, and the, it's interesting because the very first thing he offers them is an invitation. And this invitation is very different, right? When he invites the disciples, he walks by them and he says, hey guys, come follow me. And it says that the disciples, many of them just dropped whatever they were doing. Matthew left his tax booth. Uh, the fishermen dropped their nets. Some of them left their dads. Peter was married, right? It says that they dropped him. But this invitation isn't come follow me. This invitation is, hey, if you're weak and you're tired and you're exhausted, I want you to come to me. Not that Jesus is going to keep walking all over the place, but as if Jesus is going to stay there. And, he, and he's talking to these people, and he says, come to me, all of you who are, are burdened, all of you that are exhausted. Here's the, the next question. Why would they be exhausted? What would it be? Why would he be speaking to them using this language? I think this is where things get good. Because from a spiritual standpoint, all they've heard is do this, do that, and look like the religious leaders if you want to be good with God. You know what I mean? If you listen, you can't unless you pray like a Pharisee, God's not going to accept it. Unless you give like a Pharisee, unless you say long lofty prayers, unless you wear the 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 shiniest golden robes, you're not going to be good with God. That was what their system was pushing. Can you see where that would be exhausting? It's like it's like everything you do is just not good enough because in the religious leaders' eyes, they were the standard. So Jesus comes to these people that are oppressed by their religious system and he offers them something that their system couldn't. What was it? Rest. Their system was a works-based foundation, uh, salvation. I got to earn it. Man, I'm not going to be good unless I do this. Me and God won't be good unless I do this. I'm never going to look like a Pharisee. Can you see where that'd be exhausting? So Jesus comes on the scene and he offers this. He says, hey, listen, if you're burdened, if you're tired and you need rest, I'm here. Come to me. Come to me. So how do we get this rest? It's interesting because the language that he's going to use sounds like it's the opposite. It says, if you want rest, take up my yoke. Yoke was a tool used to strap oxen together. Oxen in the Bible are known as the beast of burden, right? Their burden was to plow the field. Their burden was to pull, uh, to pull the, the plow through the ground. They were, they were work animals. But this language is symbolic of discipleship. He's like, hey, come, come be with me. Come to me and, and I'll yoke you up. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What I learned is when it comes to training, when it came to training young ox, isn't that the single term? I, man, listen, my agricultural terms are, y'all don't judge me. Okay, I think it's an ox. Um, when they would train a, a young ox, what they would do is they would take the young ox and they would match it with an older one. And it was like the older one would raise up the young one. So let me show you what that looks like uh, with our faith. Brandon, I'm going to need your help. I had to pick somebody my height. Okay. Um, so Jesus said, no, it wasn't a short joke. You're taller than me. And I'm wearing boots. Yeah. All right. So Jesus says, go ahead and put your arm around me. I didn't bring a yoke, so this is our... Oh, really? Okay. I need a different partner. Um, Jesus says, come to me. Come, be yoked to me. My burden is easy. My yoke is light, right? And it's this idea of being disciple. Is your back okay? It's like being discipled. So it would be like this. It would be like, okay, so I'm Jesus in this scenario. I'm not, I'm not listen, I'm not being sacrilegious. I'm just using an example. So it's like Jesus, he, the, Jesus would take somebody. If he was to be the young ox and I would be the old one, it'd be like, hey, that person has a need. Let's go pray with them. 
And then Jesus would pray, dear Lord, be with Naomi. She's the bomb.com. All right, amen. And then he would come over here and he would see like, she needs to be served. So he would take her trash and go throw it in the trash. I know it's not trash, but sorry. But then he'd be like, hey, there's a financial need over here. So let's go. I'm going to go give. And the, the whole time, the young ox is seeing exactly what the old ox does. Oh, y'all seeing where this comes into discipleship? Because eventually the young ox isn't a young ox anymore. Eventually after the cross, what does God do? He says, hey, go. He says, he gave him his whole wallet, if y'all didn't see that. He's a, eventually, Jesus goes to the cross to send to the right hand of the Father, and he says what? Go make disciples. You know what he's kind of saying? Hey, uh, I need you to go be yoked to somebody young and show them what I showed you. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Thank you for, everybody give it to yoke, Young Ox Brandon. Um, so think about this. He uses an instrument, a term that would actually make you feel like you're doing more work, right? Yoke, yoke. And he says this, he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Have y'all ever wrestled with that? Like, what does he mean by my yoke is easy, my burden is light? This is what he's getting at. And it's the beauty of this story. Is, is Jesus is actually saying, he's not saying that you're not going to have any work to do. He's just saying, I'm going to do the meat of it when I go to the cross. Yeah. Y'all catching that? This this verse is actually about salvation. (laughs) Why? Because no longer am I going to have to work to get in God's presence. I just got to believe in the one that I'm yoked to. I just got to walk with the one that I'm yoked to. So so what am I getting at? I'm worshiping you guys. Go ahead and come up. That true rest is actually found in Christ. Listen. True rest is found in Christ. Salvation is the rest that Jesus is talking about. For for some of us, man, let me be careful how I say this. We, we, We say, no, I would say we believe in Jesus, but it's like we're still trying to earn our way to God. I'm here to tell you that that lifestyle is exhausting. You, the Bible says you can come boldly before the throne of grace because of Christ in your life. Does that make sense? You get to walk there because of who Jesus is to you. Does that make sense? If you believe in Him, you have access to the Father. You don't have to earn it. It's not your works. It's not trying to, to pray like 15-minute prayers every time you pray. I saw a meme the other day that was like, it was like, man, I feel like a bad Christian because when I get distracted in prayer. You know what that doesn't, you know what that means? You're just human. You know what I mean? Like I don't got to work and earn my way to God. I have access to it because of, because of Jesus. His yoke is easy. His burden is light because he's going to do the work. And he asks us to just carry it on afterwards. He actually asks us, like in that illustration, to go be yoked to somebody, to show them. Can I tell you what discipleship isn't? Discipleship isn't you barking what somebody else is supposed to do at them. It's not. And from my perspective, discipleship isn't me just preaching at you what you should do. Discipleship is walking it out alongside the people that you're supposed to disciple. 
Jesus showed his disciples what to do before he ever sent them out. They saw him pray. They saw him heal. They saw him stop storms and all this other stuff. He showed them and then he sent them out. You'll see that. That's discipleship. It's walking alongside people. And listen, are, they, are we going to mess up? Yeah. We talked about this last week. Jesus called Peter Satan. <laughs> Doesn't get worse than that. <laughs> but did he give up on him? You know what's interesting? Jesus was so committed to Peter that even after he denied him three times, he still found him, sought him out to restore him. Are we that forgiving with those, with people like that? Here's what I'm saying. You may, you may walk alongside somebody and they may mess up and they may even mess up multiple times. But true life change doesn't happen overnight. It happens through time. You didn't get where you are because of one, one decision you made. It was a, a bunch of little decisions that you've made over time. You know what I mean? You got to where you are in your faith because it was like one decision that I decided to keep making over time and saw that it became true, became, that it became relevant. You know, but it had to start on the inside. So Jesus, just going back to that, can you see where, where Jesus removes the weight from these Jewish believers? Hey, don't worry about it. You don't got to earn it. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to take it for you. So, so let's end with this. Let's end with this. I can already tell I'm going to get some weird looks on your faces when I say this. So if you've said yes to Jesus and he's your rest, here's the question we should ask. Should we still Sabbath? If Jesus is our rest, is it a sin not to practice the Sabbath? I'm going to give you an answer and stay with me. Is it a sin to not practice the Sabbath? No. Jesus was the fulfillment of it. I'm going to read you a text out of Colossians where Paul is writing to a, a diversified church. They're, they're Gentile Christians and they're Jewish Christians and they're arguing over what holy days and what days matter the most. And this is what he says in chapter 2, verse 16. He says, don't let anybody condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating holy days or new moons or, or what's that word? Sabbath. For these rules are only a shadow of the reality to come. And Christ himself was that reality. Is it a sin to not Sabbath? No, Jesus was the fulfillment of it. Here's what we need to understand, though. is just because it's not a sin doesn't mean it's not still wise to practice. Jesus, God, modeled it because he knows that we would need the rest. He showed us it because he knows that if we were to, to go and go and go, life is just not sustainable. Isn't it, isn't it exhausted? Like, isn't it, isn't it terrible when it stinks to do the things that you love? And the only reason it's tough uh, that you don't like doing it is because you're tired? You know what I mean? But the only reason that we get to this spot is we don't know how to, you know I mean? We don't know how to say no. We don't, know, we don't know how to say no. Man, this need came up. No, I'm, I'm going to rest. This, ah, this, this situation came up. No, I can get to it tomorrow. I got I to gotta stop. I need to be with the Lord today. I need to stop. I need to settle down. I need to stop. 
There's, there's, if, if I can give you two definitions of the word rest, it's this. One, rest is our salvation through Jesus. Rest is our salvation through Jesus. The second is rest is stopping our work to dwell with God. Do we need to rest? Yeah. Many of you walked in tired today. I mean, and the truth is, is many of us, when we leave today, we're going to struggle with the idea of it. You know, there's a bunch of things that we talk about on a weekly basis that we know we should do, but we struggle with it. Right? You know what that's called? Being human. You know, but if we want to run the race and we want to go a long time, we better take regular breaks. Jesus did. I heard a pastor say this one time. He says, if you want to live out your purpose, it requires regular seasons of rest. Jesus would often do a miracle and then he'd what? Get away to pray. That's the repeat pattern. He would serve. He'd get away to pray. He'd do this. He'd get away to pray. If Jesus had to, how much more do we need to? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask our worship team. If we'll get the worship lights up. Uh, our, our, our worship team's already up here, Matt. Okay, thank you. Um, can we get our prayer team up here? I want to offer two opportunities. I want to offer, offer an opportunity for those that are striving to get to God to have an opportunity to just walk up to Him today. What, is, what am I saying? There's some people in here that don't know Jesus as rest. They don't know Jesus at all. And they're, they're trying, they're putting all their energy and their efforts into being a good person. And where that is good, the Bible says this. It says, my righteousness is as filthy rags. What does that mean? None of us can be good enough to get to heaven. It's not our good works that get us to heaven. It's Christ's finished work that gets us to heaven. So I want to offer, if you've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe you've ran away, you want to rededicate, I'm going to be right here. Me and my wife will be, we're actually going to stand right in the back, right in front of the sound booth. So you don't even got to walk up in front of everybody. You can sneak off of the back. We'll be there. We're ready to pray with you. But for some, if you're exhausted, come let people war with you. Let them pray over you. Right? We do this together. We, we run together. And the truth is, is we need to be better about resting together. So dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, and I pray that we would just trust you. Not trust you in word. I think our words, we would say that we trust you by the things that we say, but trust you in action by actually ceasing, by actually stopping and just seeing that you would do what you say you would. God, I pray that we would take deep breaths and just relax. And there we'll taste and see. There we'll know that you're good. It's in your name we pray and everybody said. Hey, that's the message. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. In fact, if you would like to join us as a part of our online campus and you would like to watch the video as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing week.